Welcome to episode 64 of the World Triathlon Podcast, where we get to hear from two absolute Nordic powerhouses ahead of the weekend's World Cup action from Bergen. Over the next hour or so, the Olympic and world champion Christian Blumenfeld ruminates on whether he'd rather be a bull or a sheep, dissects the Bergen World Cup bike course, and reveals some of the sneaky run tactics he's been deploying, while Gustav Eden opens up about his mortal fear of birds ripping out his heart while swimming, and discusses his hometown's penguin population and number one dating venue. Don't forget to tune in to triathlonlive.tv on Sunday the 28th of August from 2.35pm Central European time as things get serious for the women's race quickly followed by the men's and the World Cup circuit lights up once more. Before we get started though, our friends over at worldtriathlonstore.com have an extra treat for our listeners this week you can win a signed cap by Christian Blumenfeld himself and a $100 voucher to spend on whatever you like from their website. All you have to do is email podcast at triathlon.org and answer this simple question. What would Gustav Eden most like to be able to eat and drink during an Ironman race? The answer is of course coming up in this episode, which I hope you enjoy as much as we did. Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden need little introduction to listeners of the World Triathlon Podcast. The men at the forefront of the Norwegian triathlon explosion have consistently broken new ground with their all-in racing, must-win attitude and fearless approach to pushing the limits of what most thought possible in the sport. We may have largely missed their presence on the World Triathlon Circuit in 2022, but with the first ever Bergen World Cup fast approaching, there was no way they weren't going to be turning the line in their hometown. So Christian, Gustav, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Where are you? Tusen tack. Uh, we are in uh, Bergen at the moment, being uh, yeah home for the first time in forever. It, it, it's strange. It's strange traveling home in the same way you travel to a race. It's like we came here Sunday straight from Collins Cup, and we're just here basically for the race, uh, leaving again on Monday. So it, it's a strange way to come home. Yeah, straight in and out. But but normally it, it's literally probably like just end of the season, is it? And then maybe maybe you factor in once in the middle of the season somewhere to stay for a little longer. Yeah, so I think we're both counted up and it's like for the whole year this year. It might be like eight, nine weeks, ten weeks maybe. Yeah. So not much at all. But it, it, it's good to first be home and also it's very special to have the race downtown, really downtown in the in heart in the heart of Bergen. Yeah, no doubt. We'll get to that for sure. I've been checking out the course um, on Google Maps. But before we get too far, too far, we've got a bit of added star quality on the episode today in the form of everyone's second favourite. Zafira is the one and only Tommy. Couldn't resist the opportunity to come on and push a few Norwegian buttons. So hello, Tom. All right. How's father? What's up, everybody? Happy to be on here. Happy to uh, poke a few questions at Christian and Gustav because... Yeah, we get a chance to talk about triathlon stuff, but yeah, I'm here to, to ask about non-triathlon stuff, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Curveballs ahead, but yeah, so you'll be getting a good grilling from both sides, like a triathlon Big Mac here. So we got a lot of ground to cover. Um, if you've even got snacks, what, what are the snacks that Bergen will be offering to the great and the good of world triathlon when they get there? What, what are you going to make sure everyone gets a bag of when they when they, they can't leave without? Uh, Rain? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a snack of rain. That doesn't sound too good, but uh, we Norwegians, like every other country, we're proud of our own chocolate. So maybe get a bag of uh, chocolate. And uh, yeah, I don't know what else. So you can try some uh, Norwegian taco, maybe? 
Friday taco. Licorice. Licorice tacos? What the heck goes on up there? No, no, not licorice taco, but (laughs) taco and licorice. (laughs) Two separate things. At the same time, though. Nah, 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 nah. (laughs) Dessert. All right, so here's my follow-up question. If you were to take somebody on a date in Bergen, how would the date go? Like, don't leave out any details. (laughs) Well, I guess... You always meet but down by the blue stone, don't you, Gustav? <laughs> yeah, so we have one like uh, random stone in Bergen. It is called the blue stone, and it's not any like thing particular, and it's just a random thing. But everyone is just meeting at the blue stone. So if you're like Friday evening and you want a date, you could just uh, go to the blue stone, find someone standing there, and say, "Yeah, I'm the one you're waiting for," and then just go on a date. <laughs> Make make sure in the show notes you put the location, the Google map to, to that spot because yeah. uh, <laughs> it's gonna get busy this weekend. <laughs> yeah, but okay. So after you find that date, where do you take them? Um, yeah, it depends. If it's an evening date, then you might go for some pizza. If it's a popular date theme of Norway. It's uh, going hiking because uh, Bergen offers like so many hikes and it's actually called the mount or the city between seven mountains because we have seven mountains uh, surrounding it and we have i don't think it's official but it's the world's steepest hill climb uh, race kind of thing and it's up a flight of stairs so if you want to to have like a casual conversation maybe go on a casual hike are you speaking from experience so you've taken people uh, on the, that exact date or that's it? The problem is that uh, I am generally more fit than the population. So while I'm <laughs> walking slowly, I can hold a conversation. Maybe the girl is not walking as slowly and kind of struggling. <laughs> so it's not the best for my fit. <laughs> Blooming? Well, I just have to follow along. Like, yeah, going for hikes and maybe ice cream at McDonald's. I don't know. <laughs> McDonald's ice cream in Bergen. So people coming to Bergen, you're <laughs> offering McDonald's ice cream. There's no like local shops or anything that you guys want to <laughs> promote. It's a classic. It is a classic. <laughs> and Gustav, you're going to be testing the VO2 max of any prospective uh, girlfriends before you go on a on a date. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, that's like my opening statement. So what's your VO2 max and are you up for a hike? <laughs> swipe or not (laughs) um grand so yeah bergen inaugural world cup got to be uh, a hugely proud moment for you particularly i guess gustav knowing that your dad has has had a part a hand in in the design of the of the course um did you get to give a little sort of guidance as well christian of you you must have had a few words to say about how it went too uh we haven't really been too much a part of it but it still seems like the guys who have done it have done a really good job because uh uh yeah especially the bike course it's yeah a lot of cobbles super nice we went through two days ago now and i think we were both kind of really pleased going through uh downtown uh yeah they've done a good job there Gustav, you said it was actually like 2019 that it's been in the planning since. So, you know, that was kind of still pre-Olympics, pre or at the time of your world champs in Nice and so on. So, yeah, this has been kind of on the on the cards for a while, is it? Yeah, so we have been trying to get a triathlon in Bergen for a long time because, yeah, obviously we had 
So many good athletes from Bergen. Um, Bergen is like, it's a really sport city and they really get behind their athletes. So when we had a cycling world championship here in 2017, I think, uh, it was a huge crowd out and it was such an amazing event. Sadly, like the finance afterwards was a bit uh, more struggling and it had some negative press in the yeah, after the event, but uh, like the event itself was so crazy. So many people met up and I think that's why we wanted the triathlon in Bergen because, yeah, we have a potential to have a really, really cool event here, both because, yeah, we have some good athletes in me and Christian and Kaspar and Vatlan even more, but also because it's a really beautiful city with a beautiful or big potential for interesting course. And the crowd can really, really go crazy here. Will there be a big after party after the race? So me and Christian will go away already Sunday morning. So we won't attend, but uh, I, I hope it will be a big party. Yeah. But, but the Norwegian athletes, they never go to after party. Like I've never <laughs> been, <laughs> I've never we, been to any party. We don't get in- invites. I don't know why. I've literally been to one after party in my triathlon career, and that's where I met Katie, and then I never went to another one. <laughs> so you guys just need to find that right one. <laughs> 100% record, and that's, that's why Katie's stopping you from going to any more. <laughs> so, I mean, what is it? Bergen, the three of you, the, the sweep in Bermuda. Obviously, you know, there's your 28, uh, Christian, you know, you're the oldest, right? There's, there's two years to Gustav and then Casper. How has this like group come together? When did you when did you first meet? Uh, you know what were the what were the circumstances around that? I, I think it's more like a coincidence actually that we're all from the same city. Like uh, Gustav is from the complete opposite side of Bergen than I am, and Casper he used to be also on the kind of third opposite side of the town. So it's it's not like we are from the same neighborhood really. But then when we started with the youth national team and the junior national team back in. 2009, 2010, then, yeah, suddenly Gustav came in, like, the year after I came in, and then Casper like, a year after again. And then I think we just realized that it was much more fun to train together than doing it all on ourselves. Is there a so, rivalry between the part where you grew up and where Gustav grew up? So I live way out in the farmland. So it's, uh, I don't have any rivalry with anyone because everyone just like, yeah, it's just a bunch of farmers out there. And Christian pretend, pretends he's from uh, the ghetto part. But the ghetto part of Norway is like the most beautiful uh, and most high-end part of uh, some other countries, I think, because it's, it's basically no ghettos in, in Norway. Uh, Lodefjord is quite rough. Uh, it's a little bit like the rough area of London, I've heard. Um, so it's so either become totally a musician. Musician or triathlete when you grow up there, so you get a really thick skin. What was your What was your gang sign? <laughs> well, because because I couldn't sing, you know, I had to be a triathlete. It's a it's a big music scene in Bergen, right? Um, home to musical superstars, Roy Shop, Kings of Convenience. Now even more, we have uh, Kaigo, who is more recent than Alan Walker and uh, the guys behind the. Uh, what does the fuck say? So we have like <laughs> the, mu- the music scene in Bergen or just like 
the amount of people from Bergen is actually insane because the, the total population is 300,000. But I feel like we have so many people from Bergen that has, has really made an international name from themselves. Um, quick facts, Ron, then. Bergen is twinned with which American city? Neither of you know? Seattle. Washington. Seattle. That's correct. <laughs> gets that. Well, yeah, the state of, I guess. Um, <laughs> Bergen was capital of Norway in the 1200s until when the penguin population grew so big the locals had to move. True or false? False. Yeah, that is false. Bergen is the... You guys have penguins? We yeah, have yeah. penguins because uh, the it... bike course is going by the local uh, aquarium. So we have a few penguins uh, at the zoo there. Penguins in an aquarium don't count. Yeah, but they are still there and it's in the bike course. Yeah. You might be able to see them from the top far end of the bike course. Yeah, I think are they legal to own as a pet? It was, it was stolen one a few year. years ago. Yeah, <laughs> by some students. They stole one. From the aquarium? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. The, the after parties in Bergen is wild. So some students uh, did an after party after graduation and they went in and stole a penguin. We do not was, condone was really that behaviour. Yeah. Who on the start list would be most likely to steal a penguin after the after party this weekend? Oh, Tyler Misselchuk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I think um, if Johnny gets his hand on a few beer, beers, then maybe he will take a penguin. <laughs> Who are you most excited about showing uh, showing off Bergen to? Then Johnny's got to be up there. Presumably, he's come because he's, he fancies the fact that you guys are going to put together a pretty good race. He's said that he wants to pick and choose his races quite carefully, and this is obviously one that he likes the look of. Yeah, yes, I think really. uh, I'm excited to show it to to Matt McElroy. So uh, mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time in him, uh, with him in Flagstaff, and he showed me his city. So I'm excited for him to see mine as well. And you, Christian. I, ha I haven't seen the whole start list, but yeah, of course, it's cool that Johnny is coming. And but I think Vincent is out because, yeah, uh, but at least like it's pretty good start list. Uh, but uh, I'm not going to show them around too much. No, going to keep it top secret. <laughs> <laughs> Quite right. We were discussing just a bit earlier with Gustav the course. Um, it's particularly like the, the switchback. Is it a descent or an ascent? It's a descent, isn't it? Where you, you've yeah, got that downhill, really, yeah. those really tight turns. Um, yeah. Can you kind of give us a quick, a quick run through of it? A little preview for those that are going to be watching on Trust Online over the weekend as well. So first of all, you start off with like a very chilly swim, I guess. I'm not sure the temperature in the harbour, but uh, yeah, really in the centre heart of Bergen. And then you're taking off from transition going around the fish market onto the cobbles all the way towards the aquarium with some kind of uh, turns all the way up. And then it's kind of a punch hill that you have like next to the aquarium on cobbles. So you still kind of have to be sitting down to get the forces uh, that you need before you're cracking left twice and then onto like a flatter section. Um, and then you have the kind of the switchback that's going down where you will really be stretching out the field because you can't really be more than one at a time. Uh, and then on the bottom of the downhill, you're again having cobbles. So if you're then first down there and you can really do some damage for the rest of the guys who's behind before coming down around the fish market up towards Mount Flayen where they 
had the transition zone for the time trial uh, race during the World Championship, where some of the athletes walked bikes uh, to do the finish climb. But we will then very early take to the left through the buildings down again to harbor and then a little flat section for like a k and a half maybe on softer tarmac so it's not too much place on the course where you can be resting you said a chilly swim do you have an estimate of what the water temperature would be like 12 degrees so, 50 degrees? so what i saw like on an official site a few days ago was uh, 13 degrees but i think it's going to be a bit uh, warmer than that so i uh about uh, 14.5 that's my guess we, we we just had a bath today after a ride yeah we actually had a, a swim in the ocean today like a swim, swim it, like two minutes it felt it felt warmer than 13 degrees yeah i agree i would estimate 15 maybe you guys are so 37.5 cool. degrees <laughs> <laughs> Windy, like, is, is wind going to be a bit of a factor there? Or I guess midsummer, it's it's not quite as wild as it can be, would you say? Uh, no, I think the weather forecast predicts a low wind and uh, no rain at the moment. So this course is drastically changed if it's raining because the cobbles uh, get quite, yeah, slippery while, when it's raining. But I think it's uh, going to be uh, okay for race day now. But I have prepared, like, super thick tires if the bad weather comes in but i think it's not going to be a problem yeah you have your cycle cross just in case yeah I have, right. no it's it's a gravel bike actually it's a gravel bike it's a big home bike. advantage <laughs> yeah <laughs> just go into the locker how, how was it for the the bike race you said was 2017 there did you was it was it wet for that or is that not it was been? actually so amazing because the week uh, the world championship was here it was like two days of rain but it's like all the big races were in beautiful weather, beautiful sunshine. So it, uh, it was one of the best weather we had in years. So that was quite nice. So we had, one week, of, we had yeah. one week of good weather and we still talk about like, oh yeah, we had amazing weather <laughs> uh, back in 2017. You know, remember, remember that week? <laughs> and the grandchildren tell their grandchildren and then the <laughs> legend is born. But I mean, yeah, like, it is this isn't it like in midsummer there it is sort of does the sun it's not so far north that the sun never quite sets right but it, you do get those beautiful long long nights don't you yeah so the sun is setting but it's not getting like pitch not dark low. so you can still like go outside with no lights at the middle of the night but it's still it's dark but it's not like you can't see anything and yeah in the winter it's the opposite it's basically dark all the time <laughs> That'll that'll mess with a few people's jet lag nicely as well then on on arrival. Yeah. <laughs> and as far as so like you know Christian for example like in winters like growing up there and stuff when it is conversely in the winter you barely you don't see too much sunlight. I mean not quite to that extent on the on the flip presumably. But um, does that like did that lend itself to you being like kicked out of the house more and get out and adventure otherwise you're going to get cabin fever sort of thing during the winter or how how was that sort of growing up in that sort of environment i think you just to get used to it like to, you are just out in the dark uh, uh but of course it's annoying if you do a uh, morning swim from eight to ten and then you do a run and then a power nap and then suddenly the sun is down again so it's quite limited in terms of training 
but uh, I think as child we're just used to having short days. Yeah, so when we uh, went to school way back when, then uh, we had like the sun was up when we went to school and then we came home and then the sun was already set. So you kind of have to enjoy wearing a, either a headlamp for your run and your bike or just train a lot indoors. But I always enjoyed running in the forest at, in the dark with a headlamp on. So it's, it's not an issue, just you need some different solutions. It can get rough sometimes during winter when you don't see the sun. It's like depressing when it's uh, three o'clock and it's already dark. Yeah, does that make That's when people rise up and steal penguins? <laughs> <laughs> that was actually during the summer months. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't figured out you guys, you Norwegians yet. <laughs> you said, Christian, after Tokyo, that you know that wind hadn't necessarily resonated, perhaps back home. Is, is that has that changed at all for for either of you over the last kind of twelve months and everything that's happened? Well, it's it's funny since we came back now since Collins Cup. Both me and Gustav was walking like downtown and we were stopped twice uh, for photos. And with both time, it was tourists asking for photos. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one from the UK, I think, and one from France. So it hasn't changed too much, I would say. Do you think if you win this weekend, that that will be more impressive than your Olympic gold <laughs> in terms of Bergen press? Uh, equally, maybe, or... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think they do. I think they do expect both me and Gustav to do it well because, uh, like, they still think that uh, yeah, we won the Olympics and the World Championship last year, and yeah, and we should easily take it, like walk in the park uh, on Sunday. But uh, it's, it's, it's going to going to be tough, especially with the long distance focus we've had this year. But I still have that little hope inside me that it, it can go. Who's more marketable out of you guys in terms of Bergen wanting to promote a farm boy or the thug life <laughs> ghetto <laughs> born Christian? So I, I actually have uh, on my new bike, I have uh, the Harbor and Bergen on my bike. Like it's a, it's a custom made bike. So I think uh, I do feel more patriotic for Bergen than Christian. So maybe they want to market me as well. And I feel like when I'm on Strava, I try to like make Norway look extra good to not promote the bad days, only like the good days. So I think I am the best promoter of Bergen. You reckon my photos on Strava is like just in the dark and with a bad coloring and... <laughs> yeah, you need the filters, you know. Um, so yeah, like kicking into shorter, shorter distance stuff from, from what you guys have been up to. An inkling of how that's going to go. Obviously, you know, on the other way, you've you've kind of eased into the longer distance stuff, presumably. And this is this is quite a, a yank in the opposite direction. And you're all three of you going to be well, and it's not just three of you on the start line, obviously, but going to be desperate to to take that tape. So, yeah, how's the how's the preparation been going? So yeah, I did uh, some uh, short distance earlier this year. It may not have been that noticeable because uh, <laughs> I finished last actually. I noticed so, that was noticeable. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so I did race uh, Leeds, and I had some hopes to perform, but obviously you have to be realistic when you've been training for Ironman for such a long time. But I only said yes to do that race two weeks before, and I didn't have more like one and a half week to prepare. 
and I was even more like in an Ironman focused period of my training. So I think I look like what was your main session that you did in that week and a half to get ready for leads that were you were like, all right, I'm I'm ready now. I actually honestly I had a really good uh, track session on the run. I did like 230 running for a K there. So uh, I had the speed, but the funny thing, like everyone in Ironman think that the bike is the most powerful thing. But it was the bike I was struggling absolutely most with in uh, Leeds. I had no maximum power, but uh, yeah, I was struggling so hard. That's because you raced non-drafting. Yeah. You had 12. I never got in the race. (laughs) You just rode by yourself behind everyone else. (laughs) Yeah, so I had like, like not a super poor swim because obviously my swim has not been my greatest uh, leg, but I had like uh, an okay minus swim but a shitty t1 and then the rest of the race was just soloing but i had such an amazing support on a run and even though i kind of backed off a little because yeah i was running in bed last i still there was nobody else it. to cheer for though on the course so <laughs> but the thing is they said like uh, let's go gustav so the leads time were like, like passionate and i i felt like i had a lot of support which meant a lot to me because it's hard to be dead last when you've been used to uh, like being more at the point behind. So Alive was, first. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, like a super disappointing race, but also a great fan experience and uh, just a bit humbling to be able to be the best in the world, but sometimes just be also the worst to finish. But uh I am more prepared now than I I was back there. And also to perform on home course, it just means a lot to me. So I think and I hope to do better than last place. Yeah, Christian, how are your nerves after you saw Gustav switch back to short course for a second? <laughs> uh, they're okay. Like, uh, but, but like for me, it's been more like I've been missing the intensity in training. Like... Uh, just going long distance can both mentally be quite tough with all the like training is just extensive so this summer we have tried to do a little bit more like back to normal training for last month not two and a half months so i think uh, both me and gustav should be better prepared now than he was in leeds and uh, uh, i do have some hope to perform even though it's yeah, I think Olympic distance would have been suiting better. But um, uh, yeah, I, I do miss the World Series. And uh, this is like the first dip in the water back before I'm coming back again for Bermuda and Abu Dhabi. So uh, yeah, I have not too nervous, but really excited to race. Ah, so Bermuda and Abu Dhabi are back on, are they? Yeah, that's right. So that's uh, the week after the half arm and World Championship. And then so Bermuda is maybe going to be tricky in terms of performing but I think Abu Dhabi is a race I really want to target like in the end of the season it's it's suiting really well having it so late like end of November and uh, I mean Gustav you're talking about like you know the opinions of Ironman athletes of you know the bike your your weapon the bike or the run but Christian how much how much of a kick do you get out of being the subject of so many of those conversations and Gustav to an extent as well, but particularly you, Christian, I guess like, you know, obviously inevitably going to be fueled by the sub seven side of it as well. But 
everybody's got an opinion and a comment and a, even now after everything that has happened over the last 12 months there's like can he can't he what's going and presumably that's going to probably happen again now <laughs> this weekend so is that something that you could you you've sort of enjoyed and reveled in or would you rather just like the noise wasn't there no i think i do enjoy it and it's kind of fueling me like for race day and uh uh yeah it's almost like uh i try to search for it too like uh, before race i tend to listen to the podcast where they talk about the race that i'm entering just to hear what people's opinion is before the race and um yeah it's just firing me up i guess and as far as like the yeah the, the sort of mechanics of your training if you're building up to abu dhabi as opposed to building up to kona like how to the layman how are you approaching those like that that month lead up differently how what what is the the kind of glaring differential there so so the key is to open up like the energy system so we can produce more lactate for a short distance race so then uh we do less long like less of those six hours of just constant like in the middle zone but we do more polarized so the easier section will be easier and the harder section will be also harder just to kind of get that uh, uh, lactate production going because if you can't produce lactate you'll be dead going around all those dead turns and kind of acceleration that we will see in Abu Dhabi so it's more about going into the lab doing some or in the field and measuring how the lactate is at different intensities and then trying to adjust the, the curve when you go into like a, a super hard training set or a what you might consider like a monotonous pool set or whatever is there a is there a place that you go to or a or a thought that you always return to like you know is there something metronomic that you you find yourself ticking over from time to time or is you just gonna zone out well i think it's uh personally I do like competition and training for some of like the really intensive sessions to really either try to keep up with Gustavi when he's attacking or even trying to break away from him. So use each other there for the really tough sessions to really get the race simulation in. Uh, and that's also the most fun session, I guess, that I'm doing. I'm not sure about you, Gustav. Yeah, never try to zone out. I think zoning out is like the worst thing you can do because... Uh... Yeah, you only have like a, a limited set of time for training. So I try to really use my training to to get better and to not uh, waste my potential training hours just zoning out. And I actually do love training. That's why I do triathlon because uh, to do triathlon, you have to do love training. So uh, I try to stay focused and do some uh, focus on either times or intensity or just it's a lot of things to think about how do you guys mentally handle so like word on the street bloomy you're a bit better trainer like you're stronger can do it more or whatever and gustav you've had to recover a little bit more let's this just an example but do you find you get confidence from sessions based on how they go with each other or are you guys just focused on your own thing and you're just utilizing each other as training partners I think I think, I I think can, the last uh, one. Yeah. Yeah, I get confidence for uh, yeah, we obviously know what times are good and at what session and uh, what lactate and everything. So we have our own reference for what is good. 
But uh, if I'm at my good and Christian is beating with me with like 20 seconds and I still know that my session is good, but then I would get a bit uncertain because I think uh, you always do measure up against each other, even though you have your own references. Uh, but also I think it depends on the session, like, yeah, uh, because you compare up against what you have done before in training and how you've been able to bring that into competition. So for example, if we do 50s in the pool, then it's not like my, conf my, my confidence doesn't get broken down by doing 50s in the pool, even though everyone is beating me in that session. And I guess Gustav's confidence doesn't increase by beating me on 50s. It's helping more if he can beat me on 800. It really depends on where I bring that into races. In PTO Canada, when you got your cramp on your leg, Gustav, did you know what was happening at all? Or did you get any information? Or what were you thinking? Were you just like, sweet, I'm on a flyer. Bloomy's like, I just dropped him. I'm awesome. Like, what were you thinking? No, at first I thought he was doing like some strange mind games or something because <laughs> I, I was leading the first lap and then I slowed or I let him pass me. And then he slowed down quite a bit. Was wondering like, what is going on now? Is he, is he trying to attack? And then uh, he had his cramp and uh, it was just like stopping so suddenly. It was like, boom, stop. And I almost ran into him in his back. <laughs> so I thought it was like doing some, uh, yeah, something weird and just wanted me to pull again. And uh, I just turned around and saw him holding his leg. So I quickly understood it was, uh, it was a cramp. Has that ever happened to you in training before? Not, not really. I think the problem were that, uh, like I have, I feel I haven't really found my bike position yet. So uh, <laughs> I came to Canada and I had some new shoes, some new cleats, and felt like, okay, what should I do? Should I take my saddle up, down, forward, backwards? And I ended up bringing it a little bit up to feel more powerful. And I guess that together with the shoes, uh, just made me use like a different muscle that I haven't been uh, stressed too much in that duration before. So I think, yeah, like a stu stupid mistake. On day one of triathlon 101, they tell you nothing new on race day. And then the Olympic gold medalist comes out. And <laughs> it, 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 it was race week, race week. Both me and Christian got new bikes on Monday. So we both have new bikes for the race as well. So they're nothing new on race day. Just uh, it's just for the for the non-professionals. Yeah, <laughs> I like that you thought Christian stopping in front of you could have been some sort of wild tactical maneuver. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's because he did it. Uh, he did it in Bahrain in 2018. So uh, it's not like he has a his he has a history of doing it before. So that's what uh, it could be. Uh, I think. Right. I yeah, I was behind him and I wanted him to keep pushing and pretend like I was suffering because then I thought, okay, if he can push now for another 4 or 5k and try to drop me, then he will be more tired when I'm putting in the hammer, smashing him back. So, <laughs> but, but then he was just glancing over his shoulder and just like almost laughing, you know, like, <laughs> and then he, yeah, just almost started walking to force me to take the lead. Yeah, how does that work now that you guys know, like, exactly how you guys function at different levels and like tactically you know what each other are doing does it make it more difficult to race each other 
Yeah, it is a bit of a dynamic there. It's uh, it's quite hard to to break down like the mental part of each other because we know each other too good. But I think uh, when it comes to physiology, we still have our differences. So uh, Christian knows my weakness and strength. So it's kind of, uh, yeah, you take away a bit of the mental part and uh, use more the physiology. We don't have to uh, tell everybody your weaknesses, but can you tell tell everyone each other's strengths? Uh, okay, yeah, so Gustav's, I... Gustav's weakness <laughs> is that he does, doesn't enjoy pain. That's what you like to say in the team. <laughs> yeah, so Christian somehow got it, uh, some information that I don't enjoy the pain. But uh, I mean, I don't enjoy the pain. Like I'd rather not be in pain if I can choose. <laughs> But it's not like I uh, I can't tolerate pain either. But uh, if Christian don't want to say my real uh, like strength, I will say your strength. I, 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 I will say your strength. You are very yeah. You can be tactical using your strength, like you're that the fact that you are uh, technical, good on the bike, and uh, not just racing with your head like that is boiling in your head and just like going mad but you can really be tactical under pressure yeah and christian have have a yeah i agree and christian have a crazy ability to re-mobilize after a long event so even though he is not like fast like in general but the way he can retain the fastness even after a long 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 race that's uh that's i think his greatest strength um, back on Bahrain and stopping in the middle of a course, what is the wildest sort of race tactic that you've encountered on the, out there then? I, I did hold back a little bit in the beginning of the bike to, to hope that both Hayden and Ben thought that I was struggling. So the, I think they pushed quite hard the first half of the bike. So I was keeping them in, like, in sight, but not like straight on their wheel or 20 meter rules. Uh, so they were pushing quite hard. Uh, there to try to break away but I felt okay but so then last 30k I had uh, so much left that I could just break away from them it was it was interesting like obviously the the sort of rigmarole around before the race and a bit after I suppose but um you know there's some pretty interesting personalities that have come out over the over the weekend and you obviously had a, a lot to do with Joe Skipper at the sub seven and yeah he's from my hometown of Norwich, very much like the Bergen of England. Um, are those sort of characters like outliers from, you know, do you, do you think that, that you see a slightly more like outspoken type of athlete there than you do on the, on the world triathlon circuit as a, as a rule, or is it just kind of just been a blowing up over the last sort of week or so? I think uh, PTO is doing uh a good job promoting the personalities. And I think for World Triathlon, you are uh, like a government sport and it's kind of different when you have to be more neutral. You have like this podcast and you have the, your social media, but you still can't promote the, I wouldn't call it negative, but kind of like the, the dramatizing thing because you're still like the more official governing uh, part of triathlon. While PTO is a more, commercial part so they can do whatever they want basically they can promote the, the drama and uh, do everything like this so i think uh, the personalities in in short distance is obviously great i have so many good good friends for them and i know 
that they're still outspoken and really funny guys, but it's just um, a bit of different marketing but, tactics. I think also the athletes maybe long distance to be able to kind of make a living out of the sport to do more themselves yeah. to market themselves. So you don't see that the same push from short distance athletes. On normal podcasts, they're like, all right, we're going to do rapid fire questions. And so answer as quick as possible. But you guys always have awesome answers and awesome stories. So I kind of just wanted to ask like very basic questions that you guys kind of delve into a little bit deeper. So as an example, like the question would be like, what's your favorite animal or what animal could you be if you could be any animal? And then you have to explain why for both of those things and like maybe tell a story of why you're making that decision. So Gustav, you can go first. <laughs> uh, I think obviously I would like to be a bird because that's just a, such a different ability than being a, like a land animal. So I like a mountain eagle would be super cool to just fly around and uh, enjoy the thermals of the mountains and you just soar above everyone else and look down on people. Maybe shit on some cars. <laughs> so is that your favorite animal as well or just the one that you would want to uh, be? I'm not a bird person. I'm actually kind of afraid of birds. And I, especially, <laughs> especially afraid of birds when I'm swimming because I always, okay, to be honest, I know when I'm swimming, I don't look like a fish. I know that I fight with the water and I splash a lot. Like, I'm not a natural swimmer, so no birds is mistaking me for a fish. But I still think, like, birds flying over me would assume I was some kind of food and just dive down and put their claws in my back and just rip my heart off. So while I'm swimming, while I'm swimming, I'm so afraid of birds. So that's kind of why I want to be one as well, to just face my fears. Jesus. Have you ever, like, stood on the start line and seen one and thought, hang on, this could be the day that this happens? It's never, it's no, never not, actually no, no, affected no. a race? Uh, not on, uh, like, in groups it's okay. Then I'm just in the middle or towards <laughs> the back of the middle, I would say. <laughs> but uh, swimming alone with birds is just something terrifying about it. Just swimming in general, actually. With, if I see animals, <laughs> if I see animals while swimming, it's just something scary. Bloomy? Uh, I don't know. Uh, El Toro? A bull? I know <laughs> something uh it's quite boring because you can just walk or run but it just seems strong and cool or or a sheep maybe because they can just walk on the mount in the mountains without worried about today tomorrow they can just be out there chilling around <laughs> eating grass and i feel like you'd get bored you, so. you, 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 you can go to the next stop and they can go to the next stop and they can just sit down and look at the view and go to the next stop um if you could eat anything on an Ironman course, like for nutrition, that didn't like you could eat anything, it doesn't mess up your stomach and doesn't change your race. What would you take on the bike with you? And like, it doesn't matter how hard it is to eat or anything. Mm, I think I would drink milk on the on the bike. Uh, cold milk? <laughs> like no, uh, the, I think it's semi hold or I don't know what's it in English. But, oh no, yeah, no, uh, like meant- the one percent. Okay, I said cold milk. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, not whole milk. Cognac. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cold cow milk. That would be so nice on a bike. I don't. It doesn't need to be chocolate milk either. Just like normal milk. And then on a the run, some just some sweets. I think I just love the like the little Coke boxes. Yeah, Ooh, like yeah, the little Oh yeah. 
that's that's what best. is it like without sounding like i don't know what i'm talking about what is it about milk that makes it such a bad idea to drink on that or is that just in, in any long distance run it's going to go for three yeah it's the lactose so uh, i think it's okay in smaller doses and i have no problems with milk normally but running if you're drinking only milk on a bike would be horrible <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> But milk is actually one of the best things to drink if you're dehydrated because it's so easy for the stomach to pick up. So if you are like severely dehydrated, you don't want to drink pure water. Milk is much better. So it is like, it's not like the worst idea, but for the stomach, maybe not. I'm not fact checking you. I'm just going to do that. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is true from what I heard, but I didn't <laughs> fact check the ones who told me either. So. I just continue studying right, a lot. This is how it starts, Gustav. This is how it starts. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the last one before I go, because um, I got to peace out. But um, if you were not allowed to race for Norway anymore more, and you had to race for a different country, you had to represent a different country, which country would you represent and why? So I already got the honorary citizenship of uh, Taiwan. So that's my, yeah, it's my official answer. So Taiwan. Uh, in the Olympics, I think they're called uh, Chinese Taipei. So that's who I want to represent. The perfect answer. <laughs> Don't USA? say Sweden, Christian. Don't say Sweden. <laughs> USA? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't thought about it. You would have to either get married or go through the visa process. So to keep that in mind. <laughs> that's a long time. All right, guys. I got to head out. Nice chatting. Take it yeah. easy. So what is the plan for Kona, Christian, if... Bermuda and, and Abu Dhabi are on the cards as well. How's how's Kona fitting in there, sort of date wise so, and so on? Hawaii is three weeks before St George, and St George is one week before Bermuda, and Bermuda is three weeks before Abu Dhabi. So the trading now is all in towards uh, Hawaii, a little bit like I did all in towards Tokyo last year, and then I do the training that I need to do after do to get ready for the rest. But from, from Hawaii, basically the whole focus or main goal is Paris. So it's not like I will uh, have kind of changed my training to perform next year in long distance. It's more about, yeah, getting ready for Abu Dhabi and the qualification towards Paris. Have you both been kind of keeping an eye on what's been happening on the blue carpet this year? Is it, you know, have you been dialing in or just kind of keeping a loose check on on who's doing what and the kind of hayden alex no, no, battles I, love, and so on. Uh, I love triathlon so it's uh for sure my biggest interest in life so i've been following uh, closely the results yeah i see that uh, the run times are it's pretty impressive this year but it's hard to uh, it's hard to say where the level is at without being there and i tried to be in leads and tried to like feel a level but i was so far behind i couldn't get a feeling of it so it's, it's uh, cool to see. And it looks like triathlon, it's uh, still evolving, even though it's been like a popular sport for uh, so many years now. It's, uh, it's cool to see that people are still finding ways to keep on improving the sport. Yeah, there's a lot of new faces, like uh, the generation going into Tokyo. A lot of the ones who were like, in the qualification process is like not in the picture anymore. And then you have... Uh, Hayden and Alex up front, although it seems like, uh, um, yeah, also a lot of new podiums. So it's been cool to see. And also, I guess, 
every Olympic cycle, their level increase a little bit. The, the new young guys, they find ways to get even faster. Are you doubling down even more than for Paris, Christian? Are you attacking with equivalent, if not more, hunger to try and defend that title? Like, yeah. yeah. What, what would you What would you like to add to to bolt on to to last time? Well, of course, I think the focus has to be from yeah from after Hawaii has to be all in towards Paris to be able to be in the mix. But also, the race dynamic this year seems quite favorable for the way we have raced earlier like uh, the guys up front is the guys who tend to be kind of second pack so it's not like that uh, top five breakaway from the swim that I thought would come this year with the French guys and uh, uh, yeah so with Vince Johnny Brownlee up front I thought that they would be able to get away more often than they have done so uh, it's been looking good in terms of or strength for the next two years and Gustav like if you could have your your Tokyo again or if you were going to tweak a couple of things either in the lead up or, or during the race what would you what would you do to to be up there you know say last time around to, to have been there with with Christian and Alex and Hayden at the at the pointy end there yeah so our training philosophy is always evolving and we are still learning a lot of things about both uh, ourselves and training in general so we still have a lot of things to learn and we still uh, evolve our training so uh, Tokyo was for sure not my highest level yet I still have uh, a lot of potential in me and I really hope I won't come away with a, a, a eight at, uh, at the Paris Olympics but I'm able to do a bit more I guess that's the thing isn't it like we see what you've achieved and looking ahead and you think like well and, and looking at what you're doing in training and it's quite easy to think well the level that you're at now is unbelievable and how can it be built on but actually that's exactly what you're doing and what you're aiming for and that's what you've got to be doing over the next two years right it's, it's all about those extra gains for the next 24 months yeah so it's all about uh, trying to find the uh places you can uh, find the seconds. It's not like you're going to find a, a minute now at the R level, but uh, you can find the seconds. And uh, maybe, actually, for me, if I am able to improve my swimming, yeah, five notches, then, uh, then I can find a minute. But it's mostly finding where we can push those seconds for the, for the full event. And Christian, is the formula kind of fairly similar looking for the next couple of years then? I mean, you're obviously, you're, you're very fortunate to have each other in the way that you kind of push each other as well. Uh, Arold is obviously kind of pushing the buttons brilliantly too in the background there. So, yeah, is, is that sort of what you want to, I think I, you do? I don't think we can copy what we did for uh, going into Tokyo and expect to get the gold medal again in Paris. So we, yeah, for sure, we have to be able to step it up and... Uh, I think the strength to love uh, uh, is that he never settled down. Like, it's, it's, if you found like one way of preparing, it's not like he just copy and paste. He will always try to do it a few steps better. And uh, uh, sometimes that can be quite tough. Like, to that we've always been stretched to improve. Like, uh, and not just doing the session with it. 
like example for the long distance now we, instead of just copying what we did going into Cosmel last year or St George we always try to find new way to do it even better and uh, I guess the same will count for uh, going into Paris and also the swimming the, the swimming is always uh, an area where we really try to step up the game and uh, I guess we will yeah hopefully do something different there going into Paris to hopefully bridge up to first back. Yeah, very different kind of race, obviously, but to see Hayden in the Commonwealth Games there coming out of the front of the swim and and uh, Alex also doing very well in the water, kind of, I guess that must have given you cause for thought too, did it? Yeah, yeah. and also it really gave you a, a lot of more tactical uh, opportunities during the race. Like in Tokyo, I didn't have too much choice. Of course, I, I could have been broken away from that group uh, or like try to do something solo, but uh, if I could have been up there in the original breakaway group, then you have, yeah, much more option opportunities early on in the race. Well, we can't wait to see you back on the blue carpet this weekend, obviously, um, and Casper as well. Great to see him back racing. He was, I mean, that was a terrible accident for him in Argentina. He's he's fully back and firing, is he, and, and hungry to go? For sure. Yeah, he's uh, he's ready. He'll be using the stairs now up up from the pool or the, the leather. So I'm not sure if he's just faking it that his aunt is a bit hurting or. So I felt really sorry for him because <clears throat> we got sent uh, some pictures of him uh, in a group chat and he was just laying there in the hospital bed, uh, naked and afraid in Italy. And he didn't uh, have enough food either. So I'm just feeling so bad for him. Well, Podium sweep for the three of you at the weekend, will uh, and that's all consigned to history. So. <laughs> Fellas, thanks ever so much for your time. It's been brilliant. Thanks to Tommy. He's gone already. But, um, yeah, great chat. Thanks ever so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, roll on Bergen. We're looking forward to seeing you in your hometown. That's going to be awesome.